Hey, super friends, my name is Neil, and welcome to this episode 106 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV, and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers or video device, whatever it is that you're deciding to tune into us on. I normally, if you know past history of this podcast, I'm joined by my very own boy, Wonder Martin, but he has graduated, become Nightwing, moved to Bloodhaven, and like every good Batman, I have a second Robin in the wings, although maybe we should gloss over the Jason Todd thing because, you know, bludgeon's death with a crowbar by the Joker, and we'll hope that doesn't happen to James, but I'm joined this episode by James. Hello, hello. First time being on the podcast as well. Well, I did I mean, my you hosted own. the last couple of them by yourself. You did some specials. That was always a bit weird because it was just me talking, whereas this is the first time I've actually got someone to talk to, which sounds really <laughs> lonely, but... Um, <laughs> Nobody Finally. to talk to. Uh, we are recording this on what is bonfire night here in the UK, so if you happen to hear what sounds like an incredible amount of popping in the background or someone hammering, that is just fireworks. It's just how we roll. I got rid of the roadworks and replaced it with fireworks. Easy to substitute, really. Yeah. So we are here for a very special reason, actually, this episode. We're going to start off by wrapping up some of the latest news, as we normally do. We've got some really exciting stories and trailers to talk to you about. And then the reason why I had to have James for this episode, because he is the expert, is we are going to be talking about what, in many in theory, we were going to be talking about the first five episodes of new Apple TV series Monarch colon the legacy of monsters but we now have access to the first eight episodes of the 10 episode season i have seen seven of them so we're going to kind of give you our spoiler free thoughts on what we have seen of the series so far and because it just happens to time perfectly we are also going to talk about a brand new series from dc and legendary comics which is justice league versus godzilla versus kong which uh, you can pick up the first issue now on uh, digital platforms and in comic book stores with issue two coming a little later this month so that's kind of what's on the menu for this i'm excited i'm looking it's forward to see what you think about it, it it's a bit of a monster verse um, actually like before we kind of kick into it, it's been a really really cool week for sci-fi in general but specifically yeah. godzilla I mean, we've yeah. got Godzilla minus one. We've got the comic book crossover, and then we've also got Monarch coming out. So, and then we had Godzilla Day, um, yeah. like literally, uh, was it yesterday? Yeah, I think Godzilla Day was yesterday. Um, so, this week, this month, fully dedicated to uh, you know the original kaiju, which is very very exciting. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be a good podcast, especially to for all the MonsterVerse and Godzilla fans out there, 100%. That's exactly why James is on this very episode. So without further ado, let's play that news jingle. So first up in the news this week, I wanted to talk about a very cool concert series which is happening in the UK, kind of as we speak. It started over the weekend, uh, as well, yesterday as we're recording this, but the weekend just gone as you're watching this. Uh, and this is, so James has been to this, so he can tell you a lot more than I can. Uh, but this is the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra doing their symphonic space kind of spectacular concert, which encompasses music from E.T., Alien, Apollo 13, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Star Trek Beyond, Star Trek Into Darkness, one that I really wish I could have heard, which is Star Trek Picard music from the final season by Stephen Barton. There's Interstellar, Armageddon, Starship Troopers, Brackets video game, I see. <laughs> um, Battlestar Galactica, there's loads. There's tons in there. So it played on November the 4th at Portsmouth Guildhall, which is where James got to see this concert, and is at the Lighthouse in Poole on November the 11th and the Mayflower Theatre in Southampton on the 17th. 
it sounds spectacular tell us about it how was it uh i love going to see uh orchestras doing film um either films in concert where you watch the film on the screen or just uh kind of like a a symphony of different tracks um it always feels so much more special uh, yeah. with a live concert and i think what's good about something like this is it's an overview of i guess the space genre as a whole so there are things you know like starship troopers battlestar galactic that i wasn't that familiar with uh, yeah have... and some really like they're proper deep cuts which is really cool yeah it's i want to know how they select things because uh, mm. on the way home we were kind of talking about other space related ones they could go for and it was just interesting figuring out how they prioritized it because you had avatar on there yeah. but then you know, other things weren't missed out so there was no like predator transformers or um anything like that so but the list that we got was just so so good uh, the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra do such a good job every time they visit like my hometown yeah and it's so nice to be able to have I don't want to call it niche I feel like niche is a bit harsh because people do listen to concerts people do listen to orchestras yeah but it's like something that's been growing for a couple of years now it never never used to be that big because now we're getting some of the biggest blockbusters in uh, concert you know at the royal albert yeah uh, uh, hollow um but i don't remember that ever being something that you could do maybe 10 years ago maybe yeah. um really but yeah, exactly um but the um the show itself was was really good i think my personal favorites um armageddon was a really good one mm. um i know it's probably not the most critically acclaimed film in the world but um, the soundtrack is really good, and they absolutely nailed it. Um, Avatar um, by James Horner. Um, and so was that music one. from the first one, or from both, or second one? First one. Um, I think there's always um, a bit of a time lapse, obviously, with Picard being, I guess, an exception. Um, sometimes it takes a while for music that was written recently to then be made commercially available yeah. for orchestra to use. Um, so they played uh, the kind of like the big battle suite from avatar which is one of my favorite tracks ever period um and then some star wars but um yeah it was a really good really really good show and and yeah the bournemouth symphony orchestra are always really really fun but also kind of get the crowd invested and included yeah. um, it, it's not just you sit there and you listen you kind of join in in a way um but yeah it, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, 100%. If you can support them, or any orchestra, to be honest, um, absolutely do it. And so that was, just as you were saying about it, you know, taking a while for things to become commercially available, that was the global premiere of the concert suite version of uh, Stephen Barton and Frederick Friedman's Picard score. That's the first time it's been played anywhere in the world. Yeah, first time anywhere in in the world. Like that was crazy, and and um, so he was, was there. yeah, um, and so was the um composer of the um Starship Troopers. Um, ah, okay, he also did the Guardians of the Galaxy video game on PlayStation Five, hmm. uh, which I don't know, um, because the um conductor Pete Harrison mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was like, which which one? Uh, but it was the video game version, which wow. still had a really really good soundtrack. Um, but I mean, we were there were two composers 
in the audience. Uh, I mean, I've seen the Bournemouth Symphony Orchestra probably seven or eight times. We've never had composers like there. Just the um, kind of thing you would expect at the Albert Hall from like the big London. Yeah, yeah. That's cool that they went more regional. Yeah, 100%. So that felt really special as well. And um, that's not something, I guess, Portsmouth can say they get a lot of. Yeah. um, To be honest. It it was it was a special one, yeah. I it seemed like everyone had a really really fun time. So yeah, I mean, awesome. I, I was happy. So uh, before we move on to the next story, I will just repeat that again. So uh, you still have chance to catch them playing at the Lighthouse in Pool on November the eleventh, and the Mayflower Theatre in Southampton on November the seventeenth. And if you're really interested in diving in behind the scenes, then you can head to our YouTube channel where you can watch James speaking with conductor Pete Harrison about their recent Star Wars concert tour that they did as well. Oh, that was a nice plug. I remember that. That was a really nice conversation. Yeah, that was um, that was about 40 minutes of us just nerding out about... About music. Soundtracks. Yeah, it was... Yeah, that was a really, really cool one, actually. And it leads me in really nicely to what I need to talk about next, which requires me to get a press release in front of me because there's that much information I need to rattle off. But uh, Paramount has this week confirmed the UK home video details for the final season of Star Trek Picard, uh, for which you have just heard the music played live. So it's already available in the US. So this is the first time it's coming to us here in the UK. Uh, The final season will release on DVD, Blu-ray and limited edition Steelbook on November the 20th, 2023. So it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. The same date will also see the release of the complete Star Trek Picard box set for all three seasons and a very special limited edition, may the gods please let me have one, uh, copy of the complete Jean-Luc Picard story, which is like an amazing box set of everything from the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation all the way through to all of the movies and then the three seasons of Picard plus some really nice little bonus trinkets as well. So I will rattle off from uh, the, the press release exactly what you get. Uh, so uh, definitive release for next generation fans star trek the picard legacy collection limited edition individually numbered 54 disc blu-ray collection features one-of-a-kind packaging that houses every series and film featuring jean-luc picard with over 35 hours of special features films and series include star trek the next generation star trek picard star trek generation star trek first contact star trek nemesis and star trek insurrection they're in the wrong order that should be insurrection then nemesis someone at paramount needs to rewrite that press release Uh, this limited set also includes an exclusive edition of the wisdom of picard book featuring brand new artwork and quotes along with a -a one-of-a-kind deck of playing cards a magnet sheet featuring all of picard's badges and four custom chateau picard drinks coasters that is everything that's in the box set Uh, There are also special features. Uh, I'm guessing you might want to know what's here. Uh, On the final season, there is a featurette called The Gang's All Here, another called The Making of the Last Generation, an audio commentary on select episodes, deleted scenes, gag reel, and rebuilding the Enterprise D featurette. Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. Uh, so that what did I say? That's coming on November the 20th. So you can pick up uh, the final season of Picard, the complete Picard, and also this complete Jean-Luc Picard legacy box set all on November the 20th, uh, which is very exciting. I will most definitely be picking up at least something. I need to get at least the final season. Well, this is just a quick question, just because, you know, I've been um, trying yep. to dive into Star Trek a little bit more after watching Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds. You know that the big box set for Picard. Do you think 
everything that that contains is that a good starting point for someone who wants to get into star trek or would that, i you mean recommend... that's my entry point into star trek so my star trek was next generation so that for me is like everything i love about star trek and what got me into star trek in one box set all the way through so oh, as like... much as I, I like i obviously i enjoyed the original series deep space nine voyager i've never managed to finish enterprise that's the only one i've never watched all of um and then obviously all of the modern ones i love as well but if you wanted to get yeah, if you wanted to watch a particular corner of the Star Trek universe from start to finish and have almost every moment of it be absolutely perfect, Paramount, uh, then uh, yeah, then, then this is a really cool box set to get because uh, Picard's story is just is outstanding. I mean, you've got people who looked at the original series and obviously loved it and then were kind of a little bit skeptical when next generation came around but then that brought so many people into star trek that i think the reason we still have it and we have so many different series now is because of how versatile people realized it was when they went from the original series to what they did with next generation so to me it's just even the bad episode of next generation is a great episode of sci-fi tv if you ask me personally yes because i kind of started in a really weird uh i guess order is i went straight from lower decks yeah um in the um strange new world yeah um so i have nothing to go on yeah. previously from the jj abrams and and I some think... of the other the whale one i remember that one so people i that's you're not the first person that's ever asked me that question and the kind of the best way to explain it i think from my perspective is when you think about star wars and this is not okay. me knock, this is not me knocking Star Wars because this is not the place for me to do that. But we'll fall out. <laughs> I think if you think about it, a lot of a lot of it is based around the basic story that does kind of well. Yeah, I mean, there's more of a reliance on needing to have seen more of Star Wars. Like you know, if you're going to watch The Mandalorian, you're going to have a you're going to struggle to understand what's going on unless you have a basic understanding of Star Wars. Or yeah. Or if or maybe a better one is trying to talk about like Marvel, like you can't now watch any Marvel without knowing what's happened before. You need to kind of be watching everything to be fully clued into the storyline. Whereas with Star Trek, each each show is kind of its own thing. So there is a shared law and there are shared histories. And obviously, like, you know, Klingons, for instance, first appeared in the original series and appeared in everything since. But you don't have to have watched everything or watched everything in order to be able to understand different pockets of storyline and stuff so like with lower decks so many easter eggs are for fans but you still love it even though you haven't seen a lot of the oh, things yeah. that the easter eggs come from and strange new worlds doesn't require even though that those characters were introduced in discovery mm -hmm. you don't have to have watched discovery to understand what's happening in strange new worlds likewise discovery yeah so um Pike, Spock, and Una are all in season two of Discovery for a handful of episodes. That's where they were first introduced. They were cast and brought in there. Um, and it was only because they were so popular in that show that there was a petition for them to get their own show, which is how Strange New Worlds came around. Um, but again, even with the 90s shows, so they did, they they never really crossed over all that much. They, what they would do is they would pass the baton. So in the first episode of Deep Space Nine, the Enterprise D from Next Generation is there and Picard appears. And then in the first episode of Voyager, they leave from Deep Space Nine as the space station. And that's the only kind of connection. So they all okay. they all exist in the same world at the same time in the 90s shows, but they don't even cross over all that much. 
So you really can go into any one at any point and that can be an entry point. And you don't have to watch all of them to know everything that's going on. There is no connection whatsoever back then. Oh, that's good to know. That's actually yeah. good to know. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. That was a comprehensive introduction to Star Trek. But um, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend it because it looks like a lovely box set and everything that's in it is brilliant. I will potentially add it to the Christmas list because I definitely want to try and get into... Star Trek is really the only franchise I haven't conquered. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, literally every major franchise, but Star Trek is the one that kind of I struggled to get into properly. Yeah. Um, but now that I've had a little taste, I've, I've you know tested the water. Now I actually want to try and get involved a little bit more, and I feel like that sort of box set would actually be a good opportunity for me to actually immerse myself in it and get all the subsequent kind of contextual knowledge I need to kind yeah. of understand it in a way. Definitely. So just to remind everyone, so that is the final season of Star Trek Picard, available on DVD, Blu-ray, and limited edition Steelbook, the complete Picard, and also the Star Trek the complete Jean-Luc legacy collection, all available from November the 20th, 2023, wherever you buy your movies and TV. So next up, we have a pair of trailers to talk to you about. First of which is for 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which is directed by Wes Ball. It stars Owen Teague, Kevin Durand, Dickon Lackman. Oh, Dickon Lackman's in it. Uh, William H. Macy, Freya Allen, Peter Macon, Travis Travis Jeffrey, Neil Sanderlands, Sarah Wiseman, Raz Samuel. How oh, no, I'm going to butcher that name. So I'll just say Raz Samuel and Lydia Peckham. I have to prepare myself with names. I'm always so paranoid on this podcast of getting someone's name wrong. So when I come across a name that I struggle with, then I have a panic. Uh, so this film is, tell us, James, when's it coming to cinemas? It's early next year, right? Uh, yes. Um, I didn't know you were going to quiz me on that. May 24th, 2024 is the date that he does oh, not off the top of his head. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, very, very excited for that one. Um, it was weird because um, I remember when it was... forewarning that this trailer was coming. It was like, oh, by the way, no news, nothing really about this film. Oh. By the way, there's a trailer coming tomorrow. Yeah, it was... Um, it's interesting because it's... It's somewhat a reboot, but it's also a mm. sequel. Um, yeah, so... so I'm very intrigued by this because you know a lot more about this franchise than I do. I have seen each of the trilogy. This feels, I mean, like design language feels very much the same, but yes, it's sort of, I mean, it's obviously not got Matt Reeves involved or is he a producer on it? Do we know? Um, I think the only connective tissue, I guess, is some of the writers and producers have uh, been with the franchise from Rise in 2011, which is a really, really yeah. good sign. Um, so there is some kind of uh, substance there, which has allowed it to kind of stay connected. But yeah. I think what this is going to launch is a new story, um, potentially kind of tracing down the roots of the original 1968 Charlton Heston movie. Okay. Um, so obviously the first... Uh, the first three movies were very much about establishing the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. But it seems like this one is we're actually in the Planet of the Apes movies now. So we're seeing a lot of similarities with the original lot. So, you know, um, humans are on the run. They're mute. They're very yeah. feral. Uh, but now you've actually got proper civilizations. Um, whereas before we only focused on Caesar's um, group. We never saw yeah. any other apes outside of that. But it looks like this time we might actually see 
um i guess in the way that avatar the way of water worked mm. where mm. we've got yeah. in the forest apes and then we've got um kind of like a an ocean tribe in a way where they're um, by the water yeah. so something like that but you can kind of see some um influence from caesar like i think this is taking place generations after caesar's um yeah because obviously there were some rumors for a while that owen teague's character was like yeah but i think yeah it seems like maybe we're actually moving on much much further from there and we're we're years ahead um making that and I think that's, exactly and i think that's going to be interesting because i think what we're going to see is caesar hailed as more like a god Mm -hmm. in a way as like a um i guess a figure of worship uh because yeah. i don't want to say he's a villain yet because i don't know but um kevin duran's character is called proximus caesar and he's I mean, that sounds the... fairly evil but then the caesar part of it is is he kind of trying to um replicate caesar's um kind of influence his his legacy uh, by taking that name, um, is he a villain at all, or is is there something else going in there? Um, and what's interesting about the original, um, I guess the original films, and this is something that the Matt Reeves films never touched on, apart from, um, I guess there was a tease in Rise, is the whole space travel. Yeah. Um, they never touch up on it, apart from in Rise, where there's a news article about a spaceship going missing and um, yeah. so obviously the original planet of the apes is you've got charlton heston and the other characters crash down and then it turns out they've actually traveled i think it's a couple thousand years into the future it is, isn't it? Um, but in the trailer um noah uh, which is the main ape in kingdom uh, is seen using an observatory i'm just wondering if maybe this is a subtle a very very light subtleties as to maybe them exploring the weirder side i mean planet of the apes is already a weird story anyway but i feel like the way that they approached it it's gonna sound really daft was very grounded yeah because it was a natural disease um or a curated disease yes. that causes um whereas i think time travel you know is that too much for what they're you know establishing I don't know, but it it felt like they included that for a reason. But you know, yeah. I don't want to jump in and say uh, that is a hundred percent going to be the case. But um, we could see um, some of the narrative threads from the original movie make its way into this next bunch of movies if it is um, a new trilogy or a. a I was going to say, do we have they ever really sort of indicated what they want to do? Whether this is another trilogy or whether there's more storytelling beyond this. I feel like if you do, I mean, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes came out in what, uh, 20, 2017 or 18, something like that. Yeah, um, it must have been. If you're going to wait five or six years to do another one, I feel like you've got to do it with a potential plan for what's next. Yeah. Otherwise, it seems a, like a bit of a waste to bring back this world without some sort of, um, I guess agenda for yeah. uh for the future so I, i'd be surprised if it was just the one movie but i guess that all depends on well, it depends on the whether successful. financially successful i don't know if the planet of the apes franchise 
has any legs. Uh, I mean, Ooh, I've yes, always felt question that requires me to go to Wikipedia. Oh, I mean, I've I always mean, felt. Yeah. I always felt that the Matt Reeves. Uh, I mean, I say Matt Reeves trilogy. He only did the um, the last two, sure. um, yeah. but that the Apes trilogy always severely underrated. I I felt. I feel like not a lot of people talk about it um, enough. No way. So Rise was made on a budget of ninety three million and made four hundred and eight, just under four hundred eighty two million worldwide. So that's pretty successful. Um, Dawn was made for a budget of one hundred and seventy million, made seven hundred and ten point six million. Um, wow. Yeah, and War was one hundred and fifty million, so slightly cheaper. And actually, the interestingly. War fell to back down to 490, just under 491 million. So fell back in line with kind of the first one. So it really peaked with Dawn somehow. Um, which sounds Dawn is a real... they're, they're, they're all very successful <laughs> and profitable movies. Um, so in in theory, worldwide, the Planet of the Apes franchise, including the Tim Burton version and all of the originals, has made around 2.1 billion dollars worldwide. So it, it could be something that has uh, still got a bit of like fuel in the jet, but Definitely. the issue with the Apes franchise is there's nothing else. Yeah, like you could you can only have the movies, but again, that could yeah, be the kind key. of thing that could become almost like we're about to talk about with Monarch. You're not going to have kind of a storyline movie, yeah. like as in not as in a storyline, as in the A story is in the movies, and then the B story plays out in tv series and other stuff it's not yeah it doesn't it's not really built for that there's not enough really in my mind that they could do that but then Kat, that could be the key to its success is the fact that not that um you know i don't want not to call out any you know kind of franchises in general but um i feel like there's a little bit of fatigue for um uh things that require you Marvel, <laughs> um, that require you to essentially digest everything, you know. But with Planet of the Apes, you get yeah. the movies, you go home, that's yeah. it. That you know, it is so self contained, and I, I think that might be something that people want. So, yeah. hunt, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is. But just from looking at what people thought of the trailers, it seems like people are excited. It's just yeah. whether it's enough to warrant kind of launching a new i guess a new era of yeah. the planet is, is with the the trilogy there was always an end game the idea was to go from the rise of the planet of the apes to a planet of the apes that was that was the story but what do you do when you get when you already have a planet of the ape yeah when you already have the planet of the apes where do you go from there yeah because the original films that's when they started taking the apes into human civilization I'm like, is that might be a bit too much? Yeah, um, yeah. It worked with aesthetics and kind of the corniness of. It's that it's... era where you could do that kind of slightly more schlocky, yeah, yeah. corny sci-fi yeah. storytelling. I think you can do it now because yeah. it's already had audiences want. Exactly, because I mean, Dawn and War. There are so many in, uh, interaction with human characters. There's no point doing it again because we've already had it. So mm. the idea now is, where can we take the franchise in a new direction? But yeah. I mean, I'm so excited. I love Planet of the Apes. Um, so really, really keen to see what they have. And I'm really glad that they kept the aesthetic that I think worked really well. Uh, same with the motion, ca uh, the um, capture performance as well. 
Um, I'd like to know if maybe Andy was at all kind of there to supervise or I presume or whether... it was his company. I don't know. I hope so. I mean, that would that would be you know it would be criminal. A hundred percent. But yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully now that we've got a trailer, we've got ideas of who the characters are, who the cast are. Hopefully, we can start getting more information regarding what the actual gist of the story is because at yeah. the moment we don't really know a lot but um regardless super super excited and that is uh kingdom of the planet of the apes and it is in uk cinemas from may the 24th 2024 which leads us into the final trailer which is a perfect segue to go from there into our big review for this episode we are going to now talk about the trailer for godzilla minus one so this is official trailer two the film is coming to uk cinemas on the 15th of december 2023 synopsis is the worst despair in the series history strikes japan after the war japan has been reduced to zero godzilla appears and plunges the country into a negative state the most desperate situation in the history of japan who and how will japan stand up to it and i realized i talked about the first trailer for this last week this is a bit of a rapid succession of godzilla um but Believe me, if you want to talk about Godzilla, you need a Godzilla expert. So we have one. What did you think of this trailer? Oh, Neil. <laughs> I was excited for this movie to begin with anyway, but this trailer really, man, they really highlighted this new version of Godzilla. And what's what's great about Godzilla as a character is we've got the MonsterVerse stuff, which is very um, this idea of a friendlier Godzilla. But yeah. then we've got the original Toho um, sort of Godzilla, who is, he is a beast. He just turns up to just destroy stuff. That 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 is his motive. That is yeah. his. He's a villain. Um, but from going from Shin um, Shin Godzilla, which was a little bit, it was amazing. Shin Godzilla has such an amazing following, um, but it was also a lot crazier. The craziest sort of Godzilla we've ever dealt with. Okay. Um, but we've kind of gone back to a more recognisable Godzilla. And this um, is kind but... of a Godzilla origin again, isn't it? Because this seems yeah. like his first appearance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what's interesting about the Godzilla franchise from a Toho perspective is they're all sort of their own instalments. You know, um, Godzilla appears. Most of the time it's as if he never existed. Um, so... More often than not, it's always a first um, arrival okay. Godzilla. Um, but it's always... I always felt like the tension or the relationship between humanity and Godzilla in the kind of the Japanese films is always a lot more on the fence. Like, Godzilla's helped us beat King Ghidorah and, and Rodan or, or, you know, any of those um, creatures and monsters. But he's this close to just turning on us. Like, okay, yeah. uh, snap of the fingers he can just and and that's what the new films are kind of setting up is you know shin godzilla arrives pure devastation and it's the exact same with this um but i feel like they've taken a more traditional route um but with still some of the coolest ideas i mean the last shot of the trailer is his new atomic breath build up yep where his dorsal fins pop out they extend and then when he's ready to do his atomic breath they plug back in Mm. it's ah oh, it's such a cool charge up because normally we're just used to light yes uh, and Monsterverse godzilla did it really well where it's this like pulsating charge up that goes all the way from his tail to the um to the, through his spine up to his head 
and then the atomic breath but the fact that they've introduced something completely different just adds a little bit of spark to it like we've never seen this type of godzilla before um but i think what's good about minus one is that i think it's just going to be a good monster movie and i feel like that's something like, that it seems make- like a very very classic monster movie rather yeah. than the the kind of the warner brothers legendary ones are obviously trying to do the the universe thing which is cool in its own way but this feels more like the kind of the like you just said the kind of the traditional the classic which i love it seems so cool like when would when did we last have a monster movie where it was just monsters being monsters yeah there's always a, a, a reason there's always a cause um you know usually it's humanity's fault and and that's what Godzilla plays on because you know when it was launched in 54 Godzilla was essentially a metaphor for nuclear war yes that's what he was designed for yeah. um, and you get to see that because he is literally a walking nuclear bomb um, and each entry in the Godzilla franchise always circulates around that and I yeah. think that's something that the Warner Brothers monsterverse moved away from which is fine because they did their own thing with it which is great you know i think they brought godzilla to a western yes, audience a wide exactly audience. That, exactly that but then you've got the original kind of films that um they stick to what they know um and in a way it, i guess for me who's watched a lot of the original ones it is sad to see no rubber suit you know a, a person <laughs> but on a visual standpoint, this new version of Godzilla looks just so, so good. And the fact we're getting it in IMAX, uh, 4DX. Yeah. You know, I miss Shin Godzilla in the cinema, um, but this feels like a proper event. And um, yeah, beyond excited for, I guess, Godzilla fans everywhere, because it seems like everyone is really, really pumped for this. And Yeah, it really does. And so that is to remind everyone, uh, as you just said, IMAX and 4DX across the UK and Ireland from the 15th of December 2023. Um, I don't have anything more to say for it because you are the the complete expert. I just, I watched this trailer and I thought it looked awesome. That is all I have to say about it. (laughs) What you need, like, it looks awesome. Like, it is, it has stripped away all the complexities that some movies try and go for. And it is such a basic movie you know it is monster arrives town city is in despair they have to try and rise up against it that is it that yeah. is you don't worry about anything else it's just monster movie at its best but also at its basic which is when monster movies shine the best because it highlights the monster rather than what i guess some monster movies do where they try and build the human characters up yeah as the highlight and no 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 the monster is the star that's that's something that monster movies have always struggled with is you can cast any a-lister hollywood actor is they they are not important it's it's the monster it's kong it's godzilla you know it's the kaiju from pacific rim it's yeah those things that matter sorry i went on a uh, rant then. <laughs> that is the perfect way to segue into what we're going to talk about next. So that is it for the news this episode. As always, if you want to keep up to date with all of the latest news, then head over to our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. And if you want to keep up to date with all the latest breaking stories, then make sure to follow us on all major platforms. We're at Get Your Comic Con. And 
Now is perfect time for me to tell you that we have very, very recently joined TikTok, the thing I always said that we would never do, but we have done it. We're trying it. We will see what happens, but we're bringing you little bite-sized comic book reviews and bits of news and trailer reactions. So please also check us out on TikTok. We're again at Get Your Comic Con over on there. So without further ado, I'm going to play that news jingle again, and then we are going to get to talk about Monarch. So before I start talking about this, because you know I am always terrible on this podcast and I will say it in about 10 minutes time when I suddenly remember it, but this is going to be a spoiler free or spoiler light, we'll say, review of Monarch, which debuts on Apple TV with two episodes, I think it is, on November the 17th and will then roll out weekly for the rest of its 10 episode season. We have been given early access to this by Apple. Thank you very much to the Apple gods. James has seen five episodes. As of this morning... I had only seen two. Uh, I logged in thinking I'll watch a couple more so that I'm a bit more clued up before we do this recording. I discovered that we now have up to episode eight. So I've seen seven episodes of the series so far. So what was supposed to be James telling me what was going to happen is now me actually being ahead and having to make sure that I don't spoil anything that he hasn't seen yet. It's a bit unfair because I just went on a giant rant about how I'm a, you know, Godzilla man fan and you're sat there and I know the fact that you've watched more episodes than I have. And that's yeah. really unfair. I don't enjoy that at all. I, I oh. like the fact you content over me. <laughs> uh, just before we get down into it, uh, this series stars Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell, who are both playing the same role, which is a very cool idea, which is executed very, very well. It also stars Anna Sawai, Kiersey Clemens, Ren Watabe, Mari Yamamoto, Anders Holm, Joe Tippett, and Elisa Lazowski. Uh, and yeah, so as I said, coming to Apple TV on November the 17th with two episodes, this is spoiler free. Okay, so what do you think about the episodes that you have seen? I really like it. I, I think, um, I mean, it, it's MonsterVerse. I've, I have such a, um, I almost said guilty pleasure, but it's not a guilty pleasure. I just love it. Like anything they do, anything they, <laughs> anything they try and uh, do with the world that they're building, um, I've always been a fan of. Yeah. Um I think what was interesting, um, or at least, I guess, in a way cautionary, um, was the fact they were focusing on Monarch, uh, whereas, you know, I guess a few months ago when they were announcing it, I was like, why are we focusing on Monarch when we could be focusing on the the monsters that make this franchise? And yeah. um, But having said that, um, I really like what they're building up to, you know, monarch is normally held with such high esteem in the monster uh, monsterverse movies where they're not necessarily the heroes but they're the ones that have been controlling the the uh, monsters they've been containing them they're the ones that have been researching them it's all thanks to them that you know the world has any information but now what monarch does is go well Yes, but also there's a lot of shade there. There's a lot of grey areas. And Monarch is really about getting into the the gritty stuff about a super secret shadow organisation. Um, and that's the stuff that I really like because it's not a monster show. I think anyone who goes in expecting a Godzilla show um, is probably mistaken. Um, but what it is, it's um, tying up all the fabric uh, that surrounds Godzilla. It's the people who discovered the monsters, uh, researching them. Um, and yeah, I, I think it, I really like it at the moment. Uh, and 
I guess in a um a bit shaky on my end. I love the original God uh, Godzilla um, enemies. You know, you've got yep. Rodan, you've got Mothra, uh, King um, Ghidorah, um, you know, um, Gigan, uh, Biolante. You've got all these signature monsters, and monsters haven't used them. Yeah, and always upsets me a little bit. But I do admire the courage. Uh, I guess courage in a way to establish their own creatures. And that's something that Kong Skull Island did really well with the skull crawlers. Yes. Um, and it's something that I think the Monsterverse is doing really well. So um, I, yeah, that was something I wanted to touch on. Cause I guess just in case anybody is tuning in to this kind of not really clued up as to who Monarch are up to this point, they're kind of first introduced to us in, in the Godzilla film that kicked off this Monsterverse. At that point, they're really just, nothing more than the soldiers who are involved, right? I don't think we see a huge amount of them in that. Is it 2016, that Godzilla, or was it earlier than that? Uh, the first Godzilla was 2014. 2014. And then you go to Kong Skull Island, and that's where you get to see more of them, and you get to hear a little bit more about them and dive in a little bit more to what they're doing. And there's some wonderful callbacks to that in the first episode of this show. And then once you go into uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong, there's there are a lot more kind of omnipresent, I think, in the in the film series at that point. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because it's um oh, I can't remember his name, but it's um Millie Bobby Brown's yes. dad and mum um who work for Monarch. And um again, it's very much about that idea of preserving the creatures, discovering them, but also studying them in a way to take care of them. And that's what um Ken's yeah. character is very much about is um, living in, I guess, in paradise, in you know, with the monsters rather than being at war with them because they yeah. were the originals of the planet. Um, Some of that, I think, is really prevalent in later episodes that I've seen of this as well, where I think there is, there's that, there's like a, a kind of a push and pull between um, military standpoint, which is we need to protect the world and make sure that the monsters aren't a threat. And then the slightly more ecological side, which is maybe what you saw from, um, I was about to call her Norma. That's her character from Bates Mattel, um, character in King of the Monsters, because yeah. she obviously yeah. kind of just in her own strange megalomaniacal way was trying to save the planet by wiping out humanity, by bringing out the monsters. Um, Alan sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like that is still quite a strong push and pull in this show as well, because I feel like, and some of this is maybe me guessing as to where I think it's going to go, but I feel like there are some characters in this show that, right, actually, question that I need to ask you, because I thought this was set after King of the Monsters, but it's not. This is set between Godzilla and King of the Monsters, isn't it? Yeah, so there's that little um, little bit of weird time um, where nothing happens from Godzilla from when he arrives in um, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah, because G-Day is quite an important point that is mentioned and sort of seen from different perspectives in the show. In that pocket of time. So, and I think that's what's, um, it's an interesting, not random. I originally thought it was quite a random place to set the series Mm. because I was like, the most interesting stuff is happening post-Godzilla. Yeah. Post-King of the Monsters. But, and and I guess I don't know yet, but I haven't I haven't seen future episodes. But what I thought this show was going to be about was 
discovering some of the the um you know the monsters so i i was expecting references to oh we've discovered um something in the antarctic we've labeled it monster zero that's that's king Ghidorah, and you know stuff like that i don't know yet um so i thought it was going to be about that but there is this really nice bit of time where you get to see the world react to godzilla we, we saw it in you know 2014 but mm. what about um i guess oh you know you know like fire drills at school um yeah. you know stuff like that actual routines set up for when godzilla attacks yes because i mean you get a glimpse you do see a glimpse of that because the you there is a kind of there's a flashback scene where you do get to see kate who is played by anna Sawai, who is brilliant by the way um gets caught up in a kind of godzilla warning and you do get to see what happens in japan when they think there's about to be an attack and you know it's like they're treating it like it's an earthquake like it's a natural disaster you know and i think that that's a really cool way of spinning it is the fact that natural it's not like well hey this shouldn't be happening we should be doing something it's like what can we do against we've seen what godzilla can do we we don't have any yeah we don't have anything for it because it's not until 2014 uh sorry not 2014 it's not until king of the monsters where they try to um destroy him with a oxygen oxygen bomb yeah. which is actually they killed him in 1954 with an o- oxygen um, bomb okay so that a nice little That's tie in yeah uh, so at the moment we're we're in this um kind of span of time where they have no idea how to deal with Godzilla as a whole and they're slowly discovering that actually there's not just Godzilla. Mm, okay, so yeah. Then I think um that it's really going to bug me that I can't remember the name of the woman from Vera Farmiga. How can I forget the name Vera Farmiga? She's an absolute powerhouse. Right. So, observation number one. I wonder whether Vera Farmiga could turn up in this program. Um, It'd be really cool. I would love to see a spoiler. And that's not something that I know. That is a, I get the feeling that this season could end bang into King of the Monsters, which I think is fascinating. Um, I also think then that there are definitely characters who we have seen in this show who are on a shaky ground with Monarch who could end up being part of Vera Farmiga's character's team in King of the Monsters. Oh, okay. How this sort of ties in. I know what I was going to say, because I agreed with you that like, it seems it is uh, to begin with, you're like, well, hang on a minute we've seen so much happen from King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong. Why would you not be trying to tell a story that happens there? But then I realized it's the agents of shield thing. It's that trying to have a TV series, which is, and I know basically at this point, we're saying that there was no connection between agents of shield and the rest of the MCU, but for illustration's sake, um, trying to have a TV series in production that is up to date with movies that are in production is really difficult so it kind of makes it easier for them to find pockets of story where they're still relevant 
but they're not having to be constantly on the phone to the production team on a movie going, are you doing this? Are you using this person? What are you doing? Because they're not sort of, and obviously film release dates, particularly now with strikes still going on, can shift and stuff. So say this season was ready and was supposed to tie into the next film and then because of strikes or whatever, the next film gets delayed by a year. What do they then do? Or if the story was supposed to follow on from the next film and it was supposed to release like right afterwards and a film gets delayed, what do they then do? So I kind of like that they're sort of, they're most definitely in the te- in the movie universe, but they're not that heavily reliant on continuity that they're sort of stuck with what they can do. There's not a necessity at the moment. Like, yeah. you know, I want people to go and watch it because um, I think, A, it's good storytelling. And what we tend to see in the MonsterVerse movies is um, very basic human characters. Yeah. Very, very basic. But what we're seeing now is there are nuances. There are um, relationships um, that are tested. Um, but there's also history there um, that yeah. extends away from monarch but more of a family situation yep. like nine times out of ten you know uh, monster movies tend to be like here's a family they've got uh, they've been split up it's you know 2014 it's aaron taylor johnson trying to get yeah, home to uh, olsen that that is it as at its core that is basic uh monster movie storytelling but with monarch there's an opportunity for them to go well, let's dive into the dirt. Let's dive into how these things were discovered. You know, I never sat back and thought, well, how was Monarch founded? Never even never even thought about it. You know, we've had, you know, multiple Monsterverse movies that have focused on Monarch as, a, as an organisation. You know, we've seen them in business. Never once did I, you know, think about their history. You know, yeah. what caused them, what triggered them to go, we need to, you know, make something of this because we need to monitor it. And know? then you watch and, it and you go, oh, actually, this is a really good story. Yeah, it's it's nice to have monsters and human characters that you can kind of attach yourself to. Yeah. It's something that doesn't happen all too often. So that's really refreshing for the monsterverse. Um, I just hope the lack of monsters or Godzilla you know, in a way doesn't put people off the fact um, that it's within that universe. Because I feel like some people might tune in going, where is he? Where's Godzilla? Where are all these monsters? It's Monarch. Um, But it's not necessarily about those. It's very contained on what it wants to do. Um, But even even without the monsters, there's a very interesting um, evolution happening from, you know, way back... uh, post-war um yeah. to to now so there's a giant span of time and the the kind of connection points between the past and the present with kurt um kurt russell and his, his son is genius it's so good but there's a lot of like intrigue about his character as well obviously i've only watched five episodes but there are a few things that are brought up about his character where you're a bit like something doesn't seem quite right i don't know what that is yet but there's you know they're leading to something, and yes, you know it's nice. they still oh, wow. It's nice to have something that is, while Godzilla is the driving mechanic in this yep. franchise, it's really really cool having something else be of interest to yes. be of a height 
Um, so yeah, I think they're doing a great job at the moment, and I'm I'm very very in uh, very excited to see what's next and like you said, what it's actually leading to. Because there's got to be a point to this. It's yep. not just, hey, this is where Monarch came from. There has to be a point that they're trying to they're trying to tell us something. We we just need to find out what it is. And what would that what is the consequence of that? Will it lead into, you know, Godzilla and Kong, the new empire? Or will it lead on to uh the next Kong movie or, you know, bringing in other kaiju you know there's a lot of questions there it could it couldn't um but it's it's keeping you constantly guessing and and you know i think that's the making of a great tv series is the fact that it's constantly making you second guess yourself yeah agreed so you did you've just touched on something about kind of the timelines and the, the Kurt Russell Wyatt Russell thing because both of them are playing Lee Shaw so so Wyatt plays him in the 50s at the kind of foundation point of Monarch alongside um Keiko played by uh, Yari Yamamoto and they're kind of they're very much at the beginning of the journey to develop Monarch and then you have Kurt in the present day and he ends up alongside Kate, as I just said, Anna Sawai, um, and also Ren Watabi's character, whose name is escaping me right now. What's he called? Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to IMDb it. Um, and I guarantee you, his name isn't uh, Kentaro. Of course, his name is Kentaro. Uh, so you have these two timelines going on. And then there are other flashbacks as well to sort of G-Day and other events in, in key characters' lives because different characters have kind of a focal point in different episodes. Uh, Kirsi Clemens from The Flash is obviously is in this as well. And she is brilliant as a character called May that gets kind of brought into all of it. But I, kind of, I guess sometimes when you hear of a premise of a show and you hear that it's going to be jumping around in time a lot back and forth, telling you time, you know, different stories in different time periods, you kind of immediately think, okay, this is going to be a massive undertaking. I'm going to have to sit and pay attention. And whilst I do think you have to do that, I don't think this is like a, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of something that's way too involved when you watch it. Um, this is fun to watch whilst being quite complex at the same time. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree that it's it's easy to watch, um, but it I, I'd say it's virtually impossible to be confused by it yeah. because <laughs> yeah, it's are, very straightforward in what it's trying to tell you, um, and it's not not in a, like a every five minutes there's a massive exposition dump kind of way. It's just it's no. very it's very well plotted. I would say. I think what's interesting about uh, you mentioning exposition is I think one of the things I loved about the early episodes is its coverage of G-Day, which is the attack on um, San Francisco. It's, um, they kind of tell you that they're going there, but I love it when shows or movies, like um, just thinking of some at the top of my head, is like the opening to BVS, Batman vs Superman, where it recreates, it recreates the yeah. ending of Man of I love it when they do that because it's always really cool seeing it from a different perspective. Yeah, um, Really impressive about uh, Monarch is that you get to be directly in the action. It, it, a lot of the time with the MonsterVerse movies, you're very much, um, I guess, voyeuristic in the way that you get to see it from an outside perspective. Um, but with Monarch, you're actually um, not only from a civilian's point of view, but you're 
in the center you're in the heart mm. of it this is what experience when suddenly a hundred you know meter uh giant glowing atomic lizard just walked out of water this yeah. is what it feels like to be in that um and i think what was kind of um, going back to your point about this whole idea of um i guess the military side yes. of monarch is um there's a really nice transition from the innocence of monarch's goal yeah slowly being consumed by the militarization of um the u.s army um and that's a really interesting relationship that i'm glad they touched upon um because i think that's really cool um it fits well with the very time period uh, i think yeah period wise you kind of had to do that and they yeah they've done it really well yeah yeah 100 percent uh, very interesting developments that happen uh early on but also some detailed um throwbacks to kind of archive footage that we saw in 2014's godzilla so the fact that they're really going back at the starting point for for fans um genius genius um i'm wondering whether they're going to do any more but the moment from what i've seen is i really love the way that they've um incorporated some of the biggest i guess moments in in godzilla's history um so yeah wildly impressed by it actually um yeah it's been a real treat as a godzilla fan to have um more content i think is key is you know we're getting more godzilla content um, yep. maybe not necessarily about godzilla but it's it's his world it's his domain um monarch is about the organization but you know what caused that the arrival of godzilla he is at the heart of of everything um yeah yeah super impressed by it and i think uh, we were um going to mention uh from a visual standpoint as well is with tv shows there's always a bit of fear about the scale of that yeah yeah like um oh will godzilla look as good as he does in the you know the big screen will anything look as good as it does in the big screen the, the simple answer is yes yeah like 100 percent um but I'm, I'm glad you, uh, that was something that you decided to bring up was um kind of like the visuals it, it it doesn't make a tv show it doesn't make a film but it can also break it um, yes but i'm glad definitely. that was something they um really focused on as you were uh, talking there, I was just doing a quick bit of Googling because I had in the back of my mind that there's a season two of this. Um, and I think it's sort of a... Not... Is there? So I had in my mind that there was and that they haven't shot anything yet because of strikes. Um, I think really where we are, they haven't confirmed a season two officially, like 100% officially, but it, yeah, there are movie... Strong yeah, there's there there are movie industry job listings which would suggest that that there is a second season. <laughs> um, so I do I do think that there is there's going to be more of this to tell in the future as well, which is very very exciting. But yeah, sorry. Well, um, you, yeah, you just landed on exactly what I wanted to talk about next, which is um, I kind of over the last few months have watched more Apple TV than I have done probably since it launched. Um, and to be fair, the kind of the the show that I know the most from Apple TV is the morning show which probably has the least amount of special effects in it whatsoever but um 
I think I'm really glad that this show has landed on Apple because their production values are insane. I have yet to watch an Apple, like The Foundation, which is a massive, massive sci-fi epic that's like Dune-level kind of like crazy visuals and stuff, uh, is always absolutely like theatrical quality. Um, And that is very much the case with this show as well, is um, there's a couple of moments, I think in an episode that you've not seen yet. Yeah, it is an episode that you've not seen yet, where there is, there is, there's, there's some green screen, which is, absolutely fine but at the same time i was like well that's green screen um whereas i feel like there's moments earlier in the show it might even be that i've seen an unfinished version it didn't say that but that can sometimes be the case um there there but earlier on there in the series like in the first couple of episodes i think all of it is absolutely outstanding and all and i have so i have seen more <laughs> pick your words so carefully i have seen more creature action than you have and all of it is perfect absolutely perfect it's so well done like godzilla and a any other character that might appear um and now i'm just teasing you uh but uh godzilla just looks perfect every time and he looks exactly as he does in all the films that we've seen him in yeah i'm what's fun about godzilla is uh, his design changes very subtly every time we see him yeah um so um i've always wondered about that but um you know it's one of those things kind of like um Thor's hammer in the Marvel movies it changes every time until he gets Stormbreaker but no one ever questions why it changes and I think that's the what kind of the route they take with Godzilla where they make subtle changes um you know from 2014 they made him um less beefy uh yeah. he was quite you know he was a big big beast um and they kind of slimmed him down in a way um, to make it work for his obstacles in the future film. So, you know, the 2014 Godzilla, I think, would have really struggled with Kong because he was very slow. But he went because of the... After that. Literally, uh, like, just kale and lettuce for yeah. the rest of the year. Um, but where they scaled him back, they were able to do some more of the, um, I guess... Fan, uh, fantastical stuff with him yeah. because you know, as much as I love 2014's Godzilla and I, I really do love it I think it's a great monster movie not necessarily a great Godzilla movie is Godzilla just does a lot of walking yeah, and a, a lot of swimming whereas King of the Monsters and Godzilla vs Kong that's where we see him um, he's more agile he's quicker um but he's also he's got a quicker presence about him um and i think that's something that um that the monarch show will take into account as well even though would you call him a cameo appearance you know how like nick fury appeared that one time in agents of shield you know is godzilla a cameo kind of character or is that something you can't say just yet for anybody that's listening to this podcast and not watching on YouTube, I'm just sort of smiling in a, oh God, what do I say? Um, so uh, for anybody who's seen the most recent trailer, you mentioned this uh, off air before we were recording, but that there are shots in that trailer of uh, Godzilla that you hadn't seen yet in the in the episodes that you have seen. Um, there, There is a much stronger Godzilla presence in uh kind of episode six and seven than 
there maybe has been an earlier one. So I would say he's not a cameo, but he's not a lead character at the same time. There's um, there's more of him as the story goes on and the story requires more of him a little bit later on. So that's probably the most political and delicate way that I can say it without spoiling anything. I'll take it. I'll take it. I I knew it would be a on the spot question, and I you know I didn't want the answer to kind of um, not that I'd worry about putting people off, but I didn't want no, it to be like no. you know Godzilla fans want Godzilla that you know yeah. that is only natural. And you know if we turned around and said, oh you know what Godzilla's not really in it an awful lot, I I, I you know I don't want to be the sole reason you know for people to go well. W- I don't want to watch it then because you know that's what we're here for. Um, when you get to the big fight between him and Mothra in episode seven, um, that's, <laughs> that's that's really when the kind of monsters kick into the whole thing. And I'm lying to you completely. Um, no, I, I think was waiting for you to break. I thought I was like, you just said you weren't going to go into spoilers, but you had such a stern face. I was like, I don't know if he's being serious. Um, no, so I think I think there is a there's. If you were to sort of, obviously we've not seen the last two, well, to be fair, I've not seen episode eight yet, but um, obviously we haven't seen any of that. You So you've seen half of it. I've seen a little bit more than that, but I've not seen the very end of it. So it could still drastically change. But I feel like if it continues the way it's building from what I have seen, then I think the first half is very much, I mean, obviously the first couple of episodes has to set the scene as to who these characters are because they're all people we've never met before. And then it kind of hits the ground running at the end of episode two, you get a little bit more monster action in maybe three and four when the they kind of shift. So actually something that we should say is the show is very, very global as well. So you've got San Francisco, you've got Tokyo, you've got... She's about to say, they kind of yeah. go on a global scale at that point. It's, yeah. you know, like you said, episode one and two is very much concentrated on establishing characters. But once you go from there, it becomes a, like a globe-trotting adventure. Yeah, so you go to Alaska and you get some more monster action there. You will eventually go to Africa as well, and there's a bit more monster action there, and that's kind of as far as I've gotten story-wise. But it feels to me like the second half of the season, once you've gotten through a lot of the politics, which is really well written, I should say, um, you, I feel like it's escalating towards something bigger. I feel like each mm. episode is getting bigger, which is why I think it might head-on collide with King of the Monsters. And I'm happy to die a... on that hill if I'm very, very wrong. I, it's not a, like it's you know it's not a massive hill to die on because it is such a natural progression from Godzilla to King of the Monsters. You know where does King of the Monsters start with? Well, it starts with San Francisco. You know, with the family being broken it's, it's up. And... Really big Easter eggs towards Godzilla versus Kong. That's all I'll say. Oh. <laughs> but you know the connective tissue and I think what I appreciate about this show so far is that it has taken the time to kind of build something that has not only purpose, but yeah. um, um, kind of like, it, it's interesting. It's interesting TV from, from at least from my, um, and it's, opinion. yeah, it's, they're not, mutually reliant on each other so again kind of stepping away from the sort of the mcu or probably more towards sort of the star wars model when you think about shows like ashoka and and or this is adjacent to what's happening in the movies you don't have to have watched the movies necessarily to get this which is really good and you don't have to watch this if you 
are only really interested in watching the movies. You, this is this is like bonus story and extra fun stuff that you can watch if you want. It's yeah, not 100%. required viewing, but it and there are be. little things. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. And there are little um, kind of references to 2014's Godzilla. I I think you know without um, kind of going into um, specifics, but I think there's, if I remember correctly, there's a really nice reference to um, uh, Ken Watanabe's character in 2014 about the whole let them fight. Um, yeah. uh, I think there's a, a really fu- a, a playful jab at it in a way um but it's nice seeing those little things um pop up because again it's showing that there's um awareness there's consciousness um for the past you know it's it's in, uh, respect the past embrace the future sort of thing yeah you know, it respects where godzilla first came from uh you know 2014 gareth edwards and now we're moving towards a different style of monster movie for godzilla's world with you know I guess in a way where Godzilla has more of a personality slash consciousness. Yeah. There are, uh, I guess in a weird way, um, thoughts and feelings um, behind those, you know, scaly eyes. Um, and that's something that we don't really get in the 2014 one. So we're kind of evolving to a new kind of, type of godzilla that is much more of a character than just a destructive being and um um, something that i think monarch helps in that way is they talk about his um behavioral patterns and and stuff like that and that's the stuff that i really like is it's not treating godzilla as just like a a monster monster it's actually approaching him as um a proper a being yeah, totally agree. And I think that is probably a good place to stop because I genuinely can't say anything else without probably spoiling something. So I should stop talking about this program at this point. Um, which I'm just really leaves me... up and it didn't work. I know. Well, yeah, and I've got... So what I will say is, um, and this isn't a spoiler, uh, there is a word which is very important to something in the movies that is in this program that I have written with a big circle around it that's like, do not say this word. Um, that's all I'll say. So just to wrap up, Godzilla, no, Godzilla King of the Monsters. You can get that wherever you want to get your movies now. Uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters will premiere on Apple TV on November the 17th with two episodes and then roll out weekly from there through the rest of the 10 episode season. James will be reviewing it on the website when he has written it. I will I'm just say- ask con- you for a score. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I will say controversial, well, maybe not controversially, but um, the the public, the popular public opinion is that, from what I've seen based on Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, is King of the Monsters is the lowest rated, mm. and I really disagree with that. We won't go into it now, but I I will say that King of the Monsters is actually my favourite of the MonsterVerse movies. What we will do then is we will come back to that when it is time for the release of Godzilla X-Kong colon The New Empire. Oh, good idea. Yeah, okay, I like that. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Nice. We are sticking with the MonsterVerse a little bit more because before we wrap up for this episode, we are going to talk about a brand new comic book series, seven issue series, which is currently unraveling from DC in partnership with Legendary Comics. And this is the lengthily titled Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. 
It's written by Brian Bricoletto, uh, with artwork by Christian Deuce and colours by Luis Guerrero. It has letters by, well, this I'm reading these credits from issue two. Uh, letters for issue two are Richard Starkings and Comicraft's Jimmy Betancourt. Uh, you can currently pick up uh, issue number one on digital platforms and in comic book stores. Issue two is coming to uh, comic book stores and digital platforms uh, later this month. I think it's the seventh. No, it was the 17th of October for issue one. Issue two is releasing on the 14th, I think it is, of November. Um, Very close to Monarch as well. Oh, what a week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a very good point. Um, So we will not go into too much spoiler detail on the story of this because we really can't go into issue two at all because it's not out yet. Uh, But I I felt it was really important to talk about it because I currently i'm trying to make sure that there is always at least one comic book discussed in this podcast and thought this is kind of the perfect one to go with this episode um so uh oh, i was 21st of november for issue two sorry 21st of november for justice league versus godzilla versus kong issue two uh i sent this to you and i was like right check this out because this is kind of perfect uh what what do you think what are your thoughts i think what's um important to say first is um i'm not a big comic book reader Um, I live in the world where the characters are there, they exist. um, And I love the characters from, you know, the Marvel DC, but it's not something I really um, read into. So, um, but I mean, you know, Godzilla, Kong are in the title and it's such a bizarre crossover. I really never thought I'd ever live in a world where, you know, Godzilla, Kong are fighting against, you know, um or going up against the the justice league you know that's absolutely ridiculous super fun but super fun a really fun idea it's a great idea why why not you know um, because a lot of these crossover like so at the moment um there's kind of there's been several series of um teenage mutant ninja turtles crossing over with batman and DC Universe. There's also been Ninja Turtles. Power Rangers has had two very successful series. And um, we just wrapped up Ninja Turtles Stranger Things crossover as well. Which is another really completely random one, having the Ninja Turtles in the same world as Stranger Things. Um, But what I thought this did a really good job of was not just doing it for the sake of it. Like it added some really cool context as to how the MonsterVerse has ended up in the same universe as DC, which is interesting. I hadn't anticipated that. I thought it would just be a, you would just accept it as fact. that Yeah, it's not just a exists. dump where it's like, here's Godzilla, Yeah, let them fight. You know, yeah. um, there's a reason behind it. There's a story. Um, and that's the key thing. It's like comic books are such a visual art, such a visual medium. Um, but sometimes that's where some of the um, really cool narrative beats um more playful style um styles of telling a story can come and shine through and i think this is a really good example of just a bunch of people getting together and going who would win in a fight Godzilla yeah exactly. it's that question isn't it yeah like i never thought about it but thinking about it now i'm like huh i don't know i don't know mm-hmm. And may- and maybe this is something that this um you know this comic book issue will the series will kind of dive into is when you take the biggest heroes in the world and you put them up against you know one of the most iconic um cinematic um creations uh you know who wins yeah um 
And that's a fun, a really fun thought um, for fans of two different things, you know, that they, they couldn't be more separate. Um, so to see it kind of coexist in the same, in, in a comic book, uh, you know, the panels where you see certain characters together, you're just like, wow, I, n- I never thought this would be a thing, right? And there it is. There's a really cool wraparound cover for issue one, if you can still get your hands on it in a comic book store, which is the entire Justice League facing down with Godzilla. And it's like, it, so it's a proper like double page. It's really, really beautiful. And I think there's a, I really, I'm sorry, I've just got issue one open in front of me on the computer. And um, the the kind of bookend context to issue one is great. It's this really nice moment between Lois and Clark. Uh, feels very ripped out of the pages of Superman. It's a really nice moment where Clark is, is down on one knee in one panel. So, you know, this is a romantic moment between Clark and Lois, which is immediately interrupted by the arrival of Godzilla, which to me is just amazing. And Godzilla in that. So again, it's a double page kind of splash and it's like Godzilla looming over Metropolis is just, it looks so cool. It's, he's so... You don't even see him like, rise up. He's just, he's, he's there. just there. Yeah, you know he's just like he's looking through the window at them. You know you don't see him rise up slowly out of the water like you do in the movies. He's just like, Boop. and he's got this really beautiful sunset behind him as well, and the water's running off him, and his eyes are glowing, and he's just like, <laughs> like trying to throw down. Yeah, hundred percent. And issue one I... is maybe a little bit slower than issue two. And I'm choosing my words carefully because I don't want to say too much about issue two. But although there are there's a lot of action in, in issue one, it kind of isn't lingering massively on Godzilla. He's sort of a teaser. He is more present in issue two than he is in issue one. We've got to get through the setup first and get that whole reason why the universes have collided. But yeah, it's so weird. So it's a really worthwhile read, I think. The setup's always important, you know. Um, yeah. I say that, you know, I love the basic idea, um, the conventional monster movie. But when you've got something uh, like two universes colliding, you want to know um, how it works. You want to know why it works. Um, so like you said, issue one is very much about setting up this foundation for a series like this to actually work and be you know, not logical, but for people to go, oh, I believe this. I, I believe yeah. in a world where, you know, um, Godzilla and Kong um, could be, you know, going up against the likes of Wonder Woman and Batman. Um, so, you know, issue one is like it's slow, but necessarily slow. Exactly. But not in a way that makes you feel like you've, um, you're not enjoying it, you know. Um, it, it the pacing is fine. The pacing is yeah. great. It's all about that gradual build up that you know is coming. You know, like Godzilla looming over San Francisco. It's something that is about to happen. It's all yeah. about the how. Um, yeah. So that is very much issue one in a nutshell, really. I think the other thing with the with a big crossover like this, especially where there's a huge fan base, there's probably a huge crossover in fans. But at the same time, both will have their huge fan bases as well. Is there'll be people who'll be saying, you know, oh, I want to see Batgirl, I want to see Nightwing, I want to see Superboy, I want to see Supergirl, I want to see Shazam, or there are so, or on the other side of things, there's people going, well, I want to see Kong, I want to see Ghidorah, I want to see, you know, I want to see all of these characters. So you really do have to take the time to unravel it properly and bring in people properly 
because otherwise you just plop in this huge cast of characters and it makes no sense whatsoever other than let's just see what happens. Um, so I feel like you kind of have to be quite measured, at least in issue one, because you've got so many people to bring in. I guess that's the danger with something like that as well is you don't want it to just be bait. Yes. Um, exactly. you know, oh, you know, you could put that on a shelf and because I'm a Godzilla fan, because I'm a DC fan, I could go, well, hey, this looks interesting. Um, but they don't dump it all on you to um, purely for, I guess, clout. Yeah. Uh, like, look at everyone we're bringing in. Look at all the heroes. Look at all the monsters we're bringing in. It's actually taking its time to unravel something um, that we've never experienced before. Um, so it's taking its time. It's using its time wisely, especially where comic books, you know, they're not the longest. No, exactly. Well. You're only reading 20, 25 pages a month. So you've, so. You know, you've got to be really precise with it. You've got to use your yeah. time wisely, use the space wisely. Um, so it's not just going for that shock factor, um, but it's it's implementing stylized choices which are striking. You know that we yeah. spoke about sunset with Godzilla. That is a striking image to just establish yes. this whole thing. It sets the tone. There are a thousand things happening, a thousand thoughts happening in that one panel no text nothing just yeah. just the sunset and everything that happened before just and and up. that's all you need yeah it, it's perfect yeah yeah agreed it's an interesting roster for the justice league as well just for those who are curious it seems like it's batman superman flash wonder woman green lantern and supergirl supergirl seems to be a big factor in this which uh, if you are a Kara fan, is it's a great time to be alive because the Supergirl special just dropped in comic book stores last week, and it's really an exciting time for her character. So that's I'm I'm glad to see a slightly unconventional roster for the Justice League. Although no, oh Hawkgirl is also in this issue. Um, no spoilers, but you will see more DC characters in issue two uh, than you saw in issue one. You will also see plenty of villains, but again, I'm not going to spoil it for you because I think it's an enjoyable journey. I'm just quickly, we're trying to remember how issue one ends. Ah, yes, it ends on the I love you moment between Clark and Lois. So again, I'm going to slightly veer into dangerous territory, but there is kind of a Superman panel at the end of issue one and a Superman panel at the end of issue two, and they are very different. Very different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I can't believe we can't talk about it. But that's what's um that's what's great about something like this is there's something to talk about. It's you know mm. it's fun, but it's also got those moments where um you never thought they'd be on a comic book um yeah. page. You know? Um yeah. so I'm excited to see and hear what people think of it. Um but more importantly, I'm just excited to see what's next. Um because it's quite well. Yeah. I don't know where it's going. I don't have a sense of where it's going, which is always really exciting to me as a reader to not go, well, obviously this is what's going to happen next. You could be, you know, an expert in both Godzilla and Superman. But the issue with that is, um, you know, two sides of the same coin, I guess. Yeah. Um, you've got two gods going up against each other and who wins really does depend on preference. Um, because yeah. I think in some shape or form um if you were to look at godzilla and superman as kind of like the pinnacle of their two worlds um they're in a way evenly matched i suppose um so i guess it would be 
depending on the way the creators and the writers want to um, mess around with the fandom, yeah. um, because I mean, there's a chance they're going to upset Godzilla fans. There's a chance they're going to upset DC fans. You know, again, um, not going into spoilers with issue two or anything that happens after, but you know, if Godzilla, I guess the perfect comparison is Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. I love Godzilla. I, in my mind, I don't think Kong can win against Godzilla. But the movie obviously went, Meh. he can. So, you know, there's always going to be this back and forth attitude, this tug of war, where yeah. it's like, well, actually, I think Batman could win. I think, you know, uh, Godzilla could win. I think Superman could win. Um, so I think that playfulness is actually going to be, um, it's going to be fun to see that play out in the rest of the issues. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to finish this by saying, or asking you, who would win in a fight, Superman or Godzilla? And this is the problem with being a fan of both, is I was going to tie it in with the question like, well, it depends which version. Um, you know, it depends. In some cases, it really does depend on what version of Godzilla and what version of Superman we're, we're dealing with, um, because there are different capabilities, there are different, um, you know, um, I guess circumstances, uh, you know, abilities, powers. He is um... so desperately trying not to answer this question. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, I think. Mm. I think Superman, um, only because I think he's got more in his arsenal. I think I think Superman has more to offer in terms of abilities, whereas Godzilla has his atomic breath. Um, he's strong, yes, um, but there's I, I have a feeling it's probably a limit to what he can do, and I think Superman is probably someone that could exploit that. But it, it's it's it wouldn't be an easy fight. It'd be a close call, hundred percent. It would be. It's like, you know, Godzilla is a very powerful, powerful creature. Uh, he's you know a walking nuclear bomb, uh, but more than that, he's um, he's got experience. He's ancient. Um, you know, he's been around for thousands of years. Um, so he has that to, uh, I guess, balance out Superman's powers. So I think Superman, but it, it'd be a very close match. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. I can't believe I've just sided with Superman after just... Neither can I. Neither can I. I a podcast on the MonsterVerse and you sided with Superman right at the end. <laughs> I, I betrayed my boy. Which just leads me to say, again, for those of you who didn't pick this up at the beginning, but uh, issue one of Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong is in comic book stores now, and issue two is releasing on the 21st of November. It will then roll out for another five months after that. There's seven issues altogether, so plenty more story to come from this one, and I will make sure to keep you in a loop as to what's going on with that storyline as well, because we all want to know who wins. And that brings us to the end of this Monsterverse podcast. Uh, so it just leaves me to say thank you to James for bringing your expertise. I, I needed some backup on the MonsterVerse, so thank you very much. No, th- thank you. For, uh, it's nice having a platform. Say, you don't to... really have to say thank you for having me because you are part of the team, so you know. Well, you know, you know, like, like I said at the beginning, I've been with you for four years. Uh, you know, um, we've never kind of organised an opportunity to um, kind of jump in, um, but the fact that you were able to kindly curate a podcast that was very much centered around the things that i'm passionate about yeah. I, I do appreciate that 
because that gives me a voice um, to talk about the things that I'm really, really passionate about in a much more spontaneous way. You know, the right. articles I write are very um, kind of not formulaic, but... Um, more purposeful. It doesn't, this is more off the cuff. Yeah, yeah. It's more about providing information where this is more um, of a, I guess, a chat between friends. Yeah. Um, but also that has the kind of experience and information from two different fandoms you know yeah um i've learned stuff and and i hope hope i have uh, listeners there you go see we're we're both much more smarter now Um, and with two and a half minutes left on the zoom call uh it just leaves me to say uh that if you want to let me know what you thought of any of the things that we talked about on this episode then you can find me on all social media platforms i'm at neil vag james finished swigging from his can where can people follow you on social media um on instagram i'm mostly on instagram i'm just um i can never remember oh it's just uh at james casey lister 97 or on um x i almost called it twitter you can again um at james lister 97 um there are my uh two uh two platforms so yay and we'll be back with a brand new episode in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know what we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks. The Monarch will have started. Uh, and what else have I been watching recently? Ooh, I don't know. It might have to be a surprise. We're at that time of year where horror movies have kind of ended. So we'll see. We need to get ready for the holiday season. I'm not ready for Christmas. I'm not ready to give up on Halloween just yet. Um, but I'm yeah. the opposite. You've already done Christmas shopping. I know. I've already done Christmas shopping. Uh, I was ready for uh, Halloween to be over at the beginning of October. So <laughs> really not a Halloween person at all. So I'm kind of glad to see the back end of it. Um, Normally sorry. I have an idea about what I'm going to be talking about in the next episode, but I genuinely don't know because I've been so deep in clearing the backlog of stuff that needed doing. But we will see. But we'll be back in a couple of weeks anyway. Uh, so until next time, stay safe. Stay well, and I'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye.